The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. Uh, take your Bibles with me. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, let's all stand together. We'll read a little bit of a lengthy portion of Scripture through to verse 17. So if you need to sit during the middle of it, please feel free to do so. Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse number 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Mortify, therefore, your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye also put off all these things, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another, seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Once again, we ask that you would bless us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would speak to our hearts and minds and instruct us. We ask now, Lord, that you would bless us in this time. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. This morning, I want to speak on the subject of being children of God. And we read here in, in Colossians chapter 3, Paul giving some admonitions to the church, to the, to the saints at Colossae. Uh, Colossae. And he's, he's there admonishing them to love one another, to treat one another with kindness and, and love and compassion, to forgive one another, to encourage one another, and all these many things. And it's a wonderful part. Uh, it's wonderful to be a part of a family. Uh, I grew up in a very loving family. I, 
I tell people all the time, I didn't grow up in a dysfunctional home. I grew up in a very functional home. My mother and father loved each other deeply. And uh, uh, I'm, I'm 50-something years old today. You don't need to know how many, but uh, I'm, I'm not today, but I'm, my birthday's in two days. So all gifts and cards should be sent to 6580 Jade Court in Roney Park, California, 94928. But um, in all the years that I've, that I've been alive, I've never heard my mother and father quarrel, never heard them have a bitter word for one another, never, never saw them mistreat each other, uh, always saw them in complete harmony and agreement. And uh, sometimes I wish they weren't. Sometimes I wished I could have played one against the other, especially when I came home with those report cards, but uh, I wasn't able to do that. But today I want us to take a moment and consider our lives as children of God. I hope this morning that all of you have as fond of memories of your childhood and your, your growing up with your parents. I hope that you all have as good of memories and fond of memories as I do. Some do, some don't. But... I want us today not to consider our earthly family at this time, but I want us to consider being children of God, our status as children of God. Now, we have been adopted into the family of God. Uh, Paul mentioned here that we were once children of disobedience. Uh, he, he said that we sometimes walked in those things in times past. And he, he listed some of the things that they do. Anger, wrath, malice, uh, blasphemy, filthy communication, all these things. We once were a part of because we were once children of disobedience. Uh, but we have been made children of God. We are born again. Not by, not by merit, but by grace. Uh, and adopted children, we are. Now there's something, something interesting Adopted children have to learn a new way of living, don't they? Now, depending on how old that child was when they were adopted, I mean, if they were an infant, infant naturally, there's, there's no adjustments to be made because they don't know anything yet. But sometimes children are adopted in their, in their uh, adolescent years, in their preteen years, and there's going to be adjustments for them, right? They're going to have to learn new ways of living, because some of the old things that they maybe did are not acceptable to their new parents. So they're gonna, there's going to be some adjustment. They're going to have to learn to, to change their philosophies, to change their behaviors. And, and this is true this morning for all of us as newborn babes in Christ, as, as children, adopted children of God. All of us have to develop the right philosophies. We have to adjust our behaviors, our attitudes, all these types of things to, to be in agreement with our Father. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 and 18, Paul writes, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. So God is the one who, who, who determines appropriate behavior. He's the one who determines right philosophies. And as his children, we are to conform to those expectations. Uh, simply stated from the scripture we just read, we have been recreated. 
albeit not outwardly. We haven't, we haven't been recreated on the outside. I'm, I'm still recognizable as my old self. However, as a newborn child of, of God, I have been recreated inwardly. I've been given a new nature. Now, the old nature still exists. And I still have to deal with that old nature on a daily basis. But I've been given a new nature, and that is the nature of Christ. This new creation uh, that is inward or is, is a creation based upon the principles of grace. So let us understand this morning that we are no longer children of the flesh. We are children of God. And as God's children, we must learn to behave and to walk as God's children. We must relearn and adopt God's principles in our daily lives. So for a few moments this morning, I hope to keep this relatively brief, and for a few moments, let's, let's look at, at how we should live our lives as God's children. Number one, Roman number one on your study sheets, <laughs> live for eternity, not for the present. In Colossians chapter 3, we read just a moment ago from the first four verses, if ye then be risen with Christ, in other words, if you're a child of God, if you're, if you're born again, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. Set your affections, he writes, on things above, not on things on the earth. Why? For ye are dead. Listen, we're dead to this old life. And your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Paul's allusion to the new creation, uh, he says, if ye be risen. So he's not writing these scriptures to those that are not born again. These scriptures are not being addressed to, to the unsaved. And, and from the crowd here this morning, I, I've known all of you, most of you for many years. I, I trust this morning that you are children of God. If you're here this morning and you don't know that you're a child of God, that's, that's the most important issue you need to address. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. Jesus told Nicodemus, unless a man be born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. If you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as Savior. Open your heart to him. Listen to his voice. Trust him. Receive him as your Savior and be born again. But those who are his children this morning, he, he addresses us in these passages of Scripture he says, if ye be risen. Now, one cannot be risen unless he had first been dead, right? You can't rise from the dead unless you first die. And in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 1, Paul writes, uh, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sin. You see, you see unless you know Christ as Savior, you're already dead. You, you're walking dead. You're the real walking dead. And, and your life is, is forfeit. The only thing keeping you out of hell is, is the fact that you're still alive. 
But oh, praise the God for that blessed day when he opens our eyes. And as, as Paul said, he quickens us. He makes us alive and redeems us unto himself. And, and further, I must argue the fact that God did not, did not quicken us. He did not regenerate us. He did not redeem us so that we could just simply continue to live as we did before. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, Paul writes, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. He didn't create us so that we can just continue to live our lives oblivious of, of him and oblivious of heaven and oblivious of that life that awaits us. He saved us. He quickened us. He redeemed us so that we might go forth and and, and live in good works unto him through the righteousness of Christ. (laughs) We are to live in the righteousness which has been imputed unto us. Not, Not a righteousness that we have learned. Not a righteousness that we have developed. But a righteousness that was imputed to us. In a term maybe you can understand today, injected into us. You go to the doctor and he wants to, he wants to help you fight a disease. What does he do? He inoculates you, right? He injects you with, with, a, with a, 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 a weaker form of the virus so your body can develop the antibodies and fight it and overcome it. And in a manner of speaking, the righteousness of Christ upon our salvation was imputed to us. It was put into us so that we can battle the flesh, so that, we can, so that we can overcome the flesh, not by our own good works or by our own righteousness, but by the righteousness that is found in him. Philippians 3, 9. And be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. You see, Paul understood that God's that as God's child, his desires, his affections were to be focused on the things concerning Christ and his kingdom. And that all of the old desires, the old affections for things of this world were to be put away. And I declare unto all here today who claim to be a child of God that we too must set our affections, we must set our focus on God. Not the things of this present day. Not the things of this earth. I see so many of God's children today focusing on things that are here today and tomorrow will be gone. And yet, the house of God and, and the kingdom of God and the work of God uh, are, are distant, distant things in their lives. We must learn to set our affection on things above concerning first our purpose. Set your affections on things above, A, concerning your purpose. Why are we here? What is life all about? As God's children, what should our purpose be? Well, first, to glorify God by our life. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, Paul writes, What? Know ye not, know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. If you're here this morning and you claim to be a child of God, 
you were purchased by the blood of Christ. Jesus died for you. He, he bought you. You're his. You're his possession. He has the right to command of us that which he will. And our purpose should be to glorify God by our life. We're to set our affections on things above. Secondly, to preach the gospel to the lost. Second Timothy chapter 1, Paul writes, For God hath not given us <clears throat> the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Wherefore, or whereunto, he said, I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher to the Gentiles. Listen, our purpose, your purpose, my purpose, should be set on heavenly things. Our purpose should be to preach the gospel to the lost. Again, why do you think God left us here? Why would he leave us on this cruel, hateful, vile, wicked earth if not for the purpose of preaching the gospel to the lost? Because it is by the preaching of the gospel that God has chosen to save men. And it is our job, it is our responsibility to be that witness for Christ. As God's children, we are to set our affections on the things of the Lord. Secondly, letter B today, concerning our priorities. Not only concerning our purpose, which should be to glorify God and to preach the gospel, but secondly, our affections should be set upon the things of the Lord concerning... <clears throat> Our priorities. <clears throat> I apologize for my throat. Please bear with me. Let's turn together to Matthew chapter 6, please. Matthew chapter 6. Again, as I said in Sunday school hour, I'm not, this is nothing new. This is, um, this is not something you've, you've never heard before. These are familiar verses, familiar truths, familiar principles. I'm just trying to remind us of some things this morning. Let's look at Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> Now, I said we need to set our affections on things of the Lord concerning our priorities. Let's look at verse 31 together. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness... And all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now I don't need to spend a lot of time on this point because we all, we all understand this. Our priorities are to be on the Lord, not on things of the earth. <clears throat> I, think, I think we should labor and work as hard as we can make money to take care of our children, to take care of our home, to have a nice place to live, have a decent car to drive, to, to have good food to eat. 
And all these things, I think all these things are important, but they shouldn't be the priority in our life. Because God has already promised to provide us with those things, has he not? How many of you would agree with me and say, yes, God has promised that as his child, I will, I will have all these things that I need. How many of you agree with that statement? Just, just raise your hand, I don't even have to say anything. So th- that's not a priority, that should not be a priority to us, because... God, who is righteous, has promised us those things, and as long as we are working as hard as we can, he will bless and honor that labor. So what should our, where should our priority be set? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Our priority ought to be on, on, on what we said in letter A. Glorify God with my life. Uh, preach the gospel to the lost. That should be my priority. I put a statement on your sheet. I'll give you the I'll give you this statement. It is a fool who sacrifices that which he cannot lose to gain that which he cannot keep. It's a fool who gives up what he can't lose in order to gain that which he can't keep. So let's get our priorities right as as God's children. Let's get our priorities right. As I was growing in my my home, my father had priorities. He had things that that were important and that he taught my brother and I and and things that he he taught us in life. You put ahead of everything else. And and these are priorities and these are the things you, you don't give up. No matter what, you don't give up. My grandpa used to tell me, I would, he used to say, son, he said, I would rather suffer for the truth than profit from a lie. And that's the way I was raised. I was raised to believe that we do the right things, that we put the right things in order. And regardless of what I have to pay personally, you do right. By the way, I was not the exception. I was the normal. That's how people used to be raised. It's not like that anymore, though, is it? Not anymore in this world. But it's time that God's children have the right priorities and that his kingdom, he be first in our lives ahead of everything else. As God's children were to set our affections on the things of the Lord, thirdly, let her see, concerning our possessions. Concerning our possessions. Let's turn, let's turn together to 1 Timothy uh, chapter number 6. 1 Timothy chapter number 6. And here we read the writings of Paul, beginning at verse 1. Let as many servants as are under the yoke count their own masters worthy of all honor, and that the name of God and his doctrine be not blasphemed. And they that have believing masters, let them not despise them because they are brethren, but rather do them service because they are faithful and beloved, partakers of the benefit. These things teach and exhort. If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, and, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. That's our world today. 
from such withdraw thyself. Verse 6, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and ensnare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Listen, Paul said it very well. We brought nothing with us into this world, and we can take nothing out. Listen, we need to, we need to have the right, right priorities concerning our possessions. Uh, again, I think you ought to work hard. I think you ought to provide for your family and try to do all you can to have the, the best things you can. But that should, not, that should not consume our life. We shouldn't be living for those things. We should be living for the Lord. You know, you know that the only thing, I, I can't take my house with me. I can't take my car with me. I wouldn't want to take my car with me, but I can't take my car with me. I can't take all my clothes. I can't take, I can't take my, my Steelers helmet signed by four Hall of Famers. I can't take that with me. I can't take all those things with me. I can't take them. But you know what I can take? By prayer and, and by, by, by fasting and by living for God, I can, I can see my children saved and I can take them with me. Huh? I can take my neighbors that I've prayed for and that I've witnessed to and that God has said, I, they're going to come with me. How about let's start living for things that are going to go with us, not the things that are going to stay here. So first this morning, uh, as God's children, we should live for eternity, not for the present. Secondly, uh, Roman number two, forsake the evil of the world. Forsake the evil of the world. Back at Colossians chapter 3, beginning at verse 5. Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, uh, covetousness, idolatry, which is idolatry. And the list goes on. (laughs) Paul begins this section of scripture by admonishing us to mortify our corrupt flesh and its lurid deeds. Now, I must be careful here. Lest I give you the impression that we are capable of doing something that we cannot do. You see, you and I, by virtue of our own strength, cannot control the flesh. Without, apart from God, you and I will never control our flesh. We will sin uncontrollably. However, through the grace given to us by God, we are more than able to do so. Paul reminded us in Romans chapter 8... Uh, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. And we are able to mortify. We are able to put away the, the deeds of the flesh through the righteousness in Christ Jesus, through that nature that has been imputed to us. In Colossians 3.8, Paul tells us to put off our corrupt minds. He also spoke of this in Romans chapter 12 and verse 2, where he wrote, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see, I greatly fear that many of our Christian brothers today have become corrupted by the philosophies of the world, the spirit of the Antichrist, if you will. 
they've they've been bombarded in their mind by 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 these uh, preachers of today who preach prosperity gospels and all these things, and and they've been they become confused in their minds. We need we need pure, strong minds. Our minds need to be transformed. Paul said in Romans chapter twelve, "Be, be transformed by the renewing of your mind." And in verse 10 of Colossians chapter 3, he tells us to put on the new man, to put on the new nature. In other words, we are to be aware of the nature within us. We're to, be, we're to, we're to understand and be aware of that, that imputed righteousness that we have in Christ Jesus our Lord. And we are to yield to that, to that spirit and, and to that nature and to that mind. And we then are empowered by Christ to say no to sin. Do you ever try it? Do you ever try when, when, when something, when you feel tempted, when, you, when you're be, being pressured? Do you ever just stop and say no? No, by, 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 with Christ's help and by Christ's power, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do wrong. I'm just going to say no. Try it sometime. God, that's what God has given us. That's what he's given us. That's what was imputed into us. That new nature that gives us the power, that enables us to overcome the flesh. We're not subject to the flesh anymore. Don't give in to it. Walk as God's children. Walk in the newness of life we have in Christ. In Romans 6, 4, Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Do not embrace evil. Do not even tolerate evil in your life. For if we do, it will only be a matter of time until we succumb to that evil. Paul reminds us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 33, he says, Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manner. Listen, you can't sit there day after day after day, hour after hour after hour, and watch the filth that comes across the television set and not have your mind affected. And the more you allow your mind to be affected by corruption, the more your heart craves it, the more your flesh demands it, and the further down you will go. And it's so needless because God has given you the, the ability. He's given you the authority. He's empowered you to stand up and be different. He's empowered you to walk Worthy of his name. He's empowered you to overcome by your faith. Why would you want to succumb to evil? Listen, you're God's child. Your father wants you to succeed, so he's given you everything you need to succeed. But you need to learn to use that new nature that God has given us. Quit, quit listening to all the garbage. Quit, quit following all of that, that worldliness. Forsake the evil of today. And then, lastly this morning, as God's children, we should walk in the enrichment of Christ. Now, folks, I don't, 
I don't have time this morning to develop each one of these points as much as I'd like to. We'd be here, uh, well, we'd be here quite a while. So I'm giving you these, but you need to go, you need to go home and you need to study these, these things and you need to find God's truth in these. But we are to walk in the enrichment of Christ. Back in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, Paul says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is love, which is the bond of of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. We're to walk in the enrichment of Christ. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Now, I have to say that if that doesn't thrill you this morning, then you're just not alive. You're just dead. If understanding what Paul wrote in those verses does not thrill your heart, then you're dead. And you need to know Christ as Savior because what has he told us there? He said, God has blessed us. God has chosen us. God has empowered us. He has justified us. He has adopted us. He has made us acceptable unto himself. From this I, I declare unto all here this morning that our lives have been enriched beyond measure or belief. Jesus described this as an abundant life in John chapter 10 and verse 10. He wrote, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus came not, not to make us rich, not to give us the biggest mansion in town, not, not to make us the most powerful person in the world. He came so that our life will be enriched by his blessings, by the fact that he chose us, by the fact that he's empowered us to overcome sin, that he's justified us before God, that he's adopted us as his child, that he's made us acceptable in the presence of God. That's the abundant life that God has come to give us. Notice the attributes found in Colossians chapter 3. Mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearance, forgiveness, love, peace. These are the attributes that should permeate our lives. And, and he talks about the great benefits derived from God. In, in, in verses 15 through 17, wisdom, understanding, edification, grace, thankfulness. Oh, yes, we have been enriched by Christ. Now, in closing, let me just share a few quick thoughts with you, and we'll be done. Because of the blessings that God has given us, 
What should we do as his children? Well, let me give you, let me give you these thoughts real quickly. A, rejoice in our redemption. Psalm 40 and verse 16, let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, the Lord be magnified. Oh, how sad it is when God's children lose their joy in salvation. You know, I've been saved going on 34 years and I've never been able to get over the fact that Jesus, that Jesus, that Jesus loved me and saved me. I've never gotten over that fact. Not one day. I was the most unlovable man you could imagine. And he loved me. And he saved me. It reminds me of the song, If You Could See What I Once Was. If you could go with me back to where I started from, then I know you would see the miracle of love that brought me to his sweet embrace and made me what I am today. A sinner saved by grace. I'm so blessed. God has enriched my life so much for the last 34 years. I cannot but rejoice in, our, in my salvation. But what should we do? Because of the blessings we have in Christ, secondly, we should live with a resolve. Live with a resolve. Philippians chapter 1, Paul writes, According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness as always, so now also shall Christ be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death, for me to live as Christ and to die is gain. Live with a resolve. Resolve in your heart and your mind to live for God. Don't leave it to chance. Make a decision. Determine to do it. Joshua did. Joshua lived with a resolve. We see in Joshua 24, 15. And it's, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom ye will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the God of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. David lived with a resolve. In Psalm 103, I'm sorry, Psalm 101 in verse 3, he wrote, I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. Did you see those words? I will not. It shall not. He had a resolve. He determined. He resolved to, to, to live for Christ. What about us today? Let us live resolve to live for Christ. And then thirdly, look for his return. Look for his return. Titus chapter 2, Paul writes, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. It is my observation that the majority of professing Christians today are living their lives oblivious to Christ's return. Most people who claim to be Christians aren't looking for his return. Matter of fact, they forget all about it until someone mentions it. And I fear this is primarily due to their love for and their friendship of this world. We're admonished in scripture to watch for his 
is coming. Philippians 3.20. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are admonished to pray for his coming. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 20. He which testifieth these things say, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. And we are admonished to patiently abide until his coming. James chapter 5, verses 7 through 8. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Children of God, are you a child of God this morning? If you are, then you should, have your, you should set your affections on things above. You should forsake the evil of this world, and you should walk in the enrichment of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time today. Help us, Lord. Help us as we, as we preached last Sunday. Help us in our unbelief. Help us in our weakness. Help us in our failures and our shortcomings. We ask you to help us, Father. And Lord, if there be any here this morning who are not your children, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. I pray that they would move today and speak to someone here about uh, knowing Jesus as Savior. Thank you for your word today. I pray that all that was said would have been said in your spirit and, and to your glory. Bless us now as we stand and sing and use this time to glorify yourself. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Ronert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Ronert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www dot bbaptist dot org